South Atlanta. I got Mr. Brian Terry right here in the co pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you have. Just go ahead and give us a call. It's 291 6901. Just give us that phone call at a 225 in front of that phone number will get you to us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. Absolutely right. We'd always love hearing from you. Of course, we take calls from anybody anywhere in the world. But that's it. Or particularly in the United States or Canada. Right. But if you happen to be in a Baton Rouge area, that's even better. Between 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock Central Time, we'll take your call. That's absolutely right. And today is a perfect time to call in. Because next two weeks, we'll actually have recorded shows. Okay. We're going to the SEMA Apex show in right. Las Vegas. Right. Oh, That's whole, coming up pretty quick. Yeah, that'll be actually next weekend. So the whole shop will be out for that. So uh-huh. I'll be out of town. Of course, you'll be out of town with me. So we won't be able to do the show. But got a real, real nice recorded show coming up with a lot of good information. So you'll still be able to hear the show, but you won't be able to call in live. So right. if you got a question and you want a live answer, today now, is the time. That's yeah, right. right. Now is the time. Well, and particularly right now is the time because we've got all our lines open at the beginning of the show. Generally, I know like last week, we didn't get a lot of calls in the first little segment. And then at the end of the show, we had three or four people holding sure. who did not get a chance to get their questions answered. But they were able to go to the website well, that's right. and get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that is take the acronym Altazan's Garage Company. That's right. There's a contact bar on each and every page. You can press that little button, fill out the form, and send it on in. Well, that's absolutely right. It couldn't be easier. And if you got cookies enabled on your machine, when you send it, it'll ask you, would you like to store a cookie for this? And you say yes. Next time you go to the contact form, it'll already be filled out for you. Right. All you it'll, have to do is change your question. That's right. Just change the question itself, update the mileage on it, and that's all you have to do. It'll remember your vehicle. It'll remember your name and all that. And, and it will actually remember several vehicles. It will. Multiple vehicles. So it makes it just a little bit easier for you. And that's stored on your machine. So it's not like you're giving up any kind of privacy. Correct. But what a cookie is, just a little electronic device placed in your memory uh-huh. that remembers things so when the form pops up it just goes to your machine goes to your hard drive pulls this information up so you don't have to type it in a second time that's great yeah i mean if you go back and clear your browser it'll be lost you have to put it in again sure that's just the way cookies work <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't be easier to to use though so right and just in case you want to listen live to the show you can go to like iheart the station call letters that broadcast our show in baton rouge are wbrp that's whiskey bravo roger papa just in case you like doing all those little uh-huh. Names. <laughs> Name for letters. But uh, you can also go to iHeartRadio between 10 and 11 and listen live to the that, show. That that's way you can great. know exactly what we're up to in a live feed instead of having to listen to a recorded feed or a podcast. Uh-huh. Talking with a gentleman yesterday at work, and he was saying how he had gone in somewhere for a oil change on his vehicle, and they had several big banners and advertising things around about Shocktoberfest and oh. buy things three get one free on shocks and of course obviously he needed shocks (laughs) (laughs) he was there for the cheap oil change that's right right. the old joke how do you know when your car needs shock just go somewhere for a cheap oil change it has shocks on sale there you go let you know (laughs) but he had brought it in so we could check it for him and we drove the car looked at it i didn't see anything at all wrong with the shocks or struts on his car Mm -hmm. so he was able to save that money but right i guess it brings up a good point and that is that shock absorbers and struts are probably one of the most oversold items on cars correct not that they don't wear out because they do and sometimes they do need changing and And we'll go into that just a second right but they usually get changed prematurely well, prematurely or just for no reason. And the reason being, that is, 
I guess what you would call kind of C-level work. Mm-hmm. There's almost anybody can replace a shock or a strut. Right. Whereas something like a check engine light or an ABS light or a tapping in the engine, it requires diagnostic skills. In other words, you have to have a trained technician, maybe an ATEC, to go in and diagnose that problem. Correct. It's not something that just anybody and everybody can do. Whereas something like a shock or a strut or an oil change, almost any C-TEC can do that. And a lot of places employ primarily C-TECs because mm-hmm. they don't want to pay them anything. Yeah. Those guys obviously are going to work for less money than an ATEC does. And so those are the kinds of things that tend to get oversold. In other words, there's not enough people coming in that need that service. They need to sell it because they got all these guys standing around with nothing to do. Right. And so that's what they're going to put on sale. That's what they're going to tell you that you need. Now, clearly, shock absorbers and struts do wear out. They do. And I have seen them out at maybe fifty and 60,000 miles in a few rare cases. They wear out in different ways. They do, many, many ways. And also at different times, most of the shocks and struts that come original equipment on a vehicle today will make at least 100,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Some of them a lot more. I've seen them with 150,000 sure. still operating perfectly. But like I say, we do rarely see one come in at 50,000 that just died. Kind of like people. Some mm-hmm. of them live to be 100 and some of them die at 35 or 40 just for whatever reason. Something was wrong with them. But the same thing with shock absorbers. And shocks and when i say shock and strut a lot of people don't realize the difference they are two different components technically they are a strut is a shock absorber or shock absorbing device that also supports weight right it has a spring around it it has a spring on it or something like that and generally it takes the place of a suspension component like maybe it takes the place of the upper control arm Uh so that is what a strut is and it contains a shock absorber also basically what they call a shock absorber is just a freestanding device that just dampens motion so right kind of what you've been looking at for years past well in yeah before front wheel drives came kind out like your 64 chevrolet there you go front of it and over the years they've come up with so many cross i guess combinations of the two that the the line has almost faded to the point that now shocks are sometimes referred to as struts and struts are sometimes referred to as shocks and it's really not so much a clear definition because you may see technically a shock absorber with a spring around it right and you may see a strut that does not have a spring around it. for instance the honda has a strut that does not have a spring around it whereas some cars have a call over shock that does not support weight mm-hmm. so I don't know that it really makes a difference other than when you hear the word McPherson strut or strut or the word shock. You know, you're talking about roughly the same thing with some technical differences. Sure. Now, the ways that these go bad when they catastrophically fail, generally a seal will blow out and oil will start running out. And you can physically look at it and you'll see oil running all the way down. Correct. Now, that is completely different from one with a little bit of oil film around the top of it. Right. Because that shaft runs through a bronze bush and through a seal and into a chamber mm-hmm. that has uh, oil at the bottom of it. It and, dampens the... And gas pressure. Right. It dampens the motion of the suspension. Mm-hmm. And eventually, some of that oil and that gas will come out around the seal, and it'll actually come out of the top where the shaft goes through the housing. Mm-hmm. And you'll get a little film right there. That is not considered bad no that's not in fact if you drive on an excessively rough road you may actually force some oil past the seal Mm -hmm. just because the shock's operating so fast and it's trying to do its job a little bit of oil may escape around that seal and that is not 
a failure of the shock absorber in and of itself. Right, but we have seen many a shock try to get sold for that little bit of dampness around the top. They'll see a little top. bit of oil maybe extending down a quarter inch onto the top of the shock, and they'll tell you, look, your shock's leaking. you got to have shock right. right now. In fact, it got so bad that most of your manufacturers now have a TSB, which is a technical service bulletin, right. shows you pictures of struts. This is considered failure. This is not. Right. And and everything in between. So it, if you go to our website, bad. we've duplicated some of that information on there so that folks can see what an actual bad shock. Now, there are also some shocks that absolutely never leak. I've right. got some on my truck that have a lot of miles on they have never leaked and they're still working good they just don't but a little bit of leakage around the top seal is not detrimental now if it's running all the way down the shock and dripping off the and bottom. dripping on the bottom then it is correct definitely the seal has gone bad and it is going to fail now just because they are not leaking does not mean they're not also bad that is correct too because you can have a shock absorber that no longer dampens motion but doesn't leak sure now what you may get you hit a bump in the road and the whole front end just slams down it bottoms out mm-hmm. and then it may also make two or three cycles after you hit the bump and as it doesn't just go down come up and stop it just continues to cycle up and down on a bumpy road the car becomes very annoying right and maybe even unstable unstable and- now where that really really gets to be almost a danger to you is if one shock absorber fails and the other does not because now you have an imbalance side to side and that is even far more effective to the ride of the car. If one side is floating around, the other side's being dampened, the car is really going to gyrate around in a, almost a circular motion. Sure. And it makes it way more unstable. That is particularly bad with one rear shock. We have noticed that actually what it does, like you said, it lets the back of the car, one side of the car move around. Right. Well, if one side is still bouncing, then the front is trying to dampen all the, the motion. That's right. That the back is not controlling. Mm-hmm. And when the front end goes down, toe and camber change. Mm -hmm. But if only one side is moving, toe and camber only change on that one wheel, and the vehicle gets really unstable at that point. that's right. You can get what they call a bump steer, where the car actually jumps into the other lane slightly every time it goes up and down a bump because the car is floating around. And that is certainly a situation that requires immediate attention attention because it's actually dangerous and not all that, but it'll cause tire wear and it'll cause all kinds of other issues. Now, another way that a shock can go bad, it may not do the bouncing around thing. Uh It may not leak, but it can fail internally and get a noise in it. And that's where you hit a bump and you hear a bump or knocking noise. Mm -hmm. And that is also a failure of the shock absorber. Maybe combined with all of the other symptoms. In other words, you could have a bumping noise, a leaking shock, and an unstable feel. Right. You may have a bumping noise and an unstable feel without a leak, or you may have a leak without the unstable feel, or you may just have the knocking noise without any of the other symptoms. Sure. So any that, one of the three is right. going to throw you into the category of a shock that has failed. Right. And a lot of times when those McPherson struts fail, you can't actually take the shaft and move it back and forth in the strut mm-hmm. until you unload the spring off of it. Well, yeah, because you got a spring that pushes holding, out. Right, it's holding up a 3,000-pound car. That's right, so it's probably got mm-hmm. fifteen to 1,700 pounds of pressure on that spring. Right. It's not going to allow that shaft to move by hand pressure. You can put it in a specially designed compressor mm-hmm. and compress that spring down. Then you can see it. Take it apart, and once you take it apart, you can actually grab the shaft and the housing, and you can rock them back and forth, and then clunk, 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 That's clunk, right, clunk. then it's clear. Right, very, very you clear. know exactly that that fa- strut has failed. There you go. We're going to take a quick little break, but we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. From Chicago to L.A. And that's why Justin Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of work, a new AC, and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car? So how much you paid for it six years ago? 
$40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it costs you $30,000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about $2,500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about $1,200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh? Whoa, sounds like I need to keep my old car. Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer. Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Booyah! Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry, live and in person in the studio today. Of course, today is the best time to call in because for the next two weeks, we will have a recorded show. So, a lot of good information, but you won't be able to call in live. That's right. So, if you've got a question, now is the time. And we're going to the phone lines with Steve. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Bro, we got a 99 Silverado. Okay. Four-wheel drive, but yes, that's sir. not none of the problem. It's on that one, he's, the only thing that's digital on the dash is the... Uh, Gear shift selector and yes, the uh, odometer, mm-hmm. and they're on. They're off more than they are on. Yes, yeah, sir. Mm-hmm. That was. I'm not gonna say it's a common problem, but I've certainly seen it. That dash in a '99 to 2003 is different from the '04 up. The '04 up. That's the one. All the dashes, all the gauges would go out. Yeah, in. I remember you saying that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those were real, real common for that. This one had no problem with the gauges, but that little digital display does go out on them fair amount. Now, I have not seen where that is available as a separate part. GM doesn't sell it, and I've looked on the Internet. I've never seen where you can buy that little LED board. So you have to swap the entire instrument cluster out. Now, fortunately, if you want to go to a salvage yard and get one, you can put that one in. There's no programming required because that was before they started all that. Now, uh-huh. your, your mileage will be wrong if you do that. You can also go to a dealership or to a shop and have them replace it with a – it's going to be a refurbished one. GM doesn't sell new anymore, but they do sell a refurbished one. And I want to say those are in probably the $400 range for the part. Yeah. It's not very much labor to change it. Maybe an hour at most to swap it out. And you could probably even do it yourself. But they are kind of a pricey thing. Now, there may be some companies around on the Internet that could replace the board for you. I don't know. I've checked. I haven't been able to find the little LED board by itself. Mm-hmm. Because we repaired the other ones. And I was hoping to be able to repair these. But Yeah, well, I remember you saying that. That's mm-hmm. why I told him that, you, that y'all, y'all did it for like we two and do. a half, I think. Yeah, we repaired the later model, the 04 Up, that has the servos that go bad in it. But when you get to the ones before that, like I said, the servos are really good in those. They never go. I've never seen one go out at least. But that little digital board goes out. Now, I have taken them out and resorted all the joints, and sometimes they will start working again, but sometimes not. We had a fella come in, oh, I guess about three weeks ago. He was doing the same thing. I told him, just like I'm telling you now, I said, I can try it, man. I don't know. It might work. It might not. I'm glad to try it. So his wasn't working at all. We did it. It came up. It started working. But he called me back about two days later. He said, well, he quit working again. So <laughs> I said, well, that didn't do much good. But it's just, just luck of the draw. If you happen to catch the joint that's bad or if it happens to be a joint, but if it's one of the LEDs that's bad, I think they're all kind of wired in series. And if it goes down, it shuts the whole little display down. So not really a good answer, but that's kind of the way it is. You know, truth is the truth. It hurts. That's it. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you. All right, Steve. Thanks for calling, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to part of the automotive, I would absolutely love to have you. And you've had a tremendous amount of trouble with the later model dashes. They have. And, those- and it's not just the instrument clusters that are going out, the lights that are going out in the instrument clusters. Mm-hmm. I mean, the radio lights are going out. Yeah. The air conditioning display lights are going out. I've got an 06, and I noticed the other day that 
there's a solder joint loose in the air conditioning board on my truck. Mm-hmm. And I looked up at the radio, and two of the lights are out on it. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a, a, a poor design, I guess. Well, just poor design, poor implementation. I don't know which, but we right. do see, man, we have a million people come in complaining about that. Yeah. Of course, we work on a lot of those trucks, but well, it seems like an inordinate number of them with those kinds of problems. It my, does. My truck is an O2, and I don't have any of that kind of problem. It's, <laughs> it seems like at one time or another they could do it. Well, <laughs> I mean – there's technology for you. Yeah, you know, had a, had a discussion quicker, faster. A, that's right. I had a discussion with a fellow online earlier this week who is part of a technicians network that I go to a lot, and we're talking about the oil consumption problems. And uh-huh. He cites this statement. He says, "Well, GM says it's acceptable to burn a quart every two thousand miles." I said, "Well, it may be acceptable to them." But as a customer, what I have to decide is that acceptable to me. Correct. Because if not, then they're not going to be acceptable as a car company. You know, I can issue a statement saying anything's acceptable to sure. me. It doesn't make it right just because it's acceptable to you. <laughs> that, that's just a legal way of them getting out of having to fix well, it. Well, pretty much if they say, well, this is acceptable all consumption. I mean, technically to me, zero is acceptable oh, yeah. all consumption, or at least is the ideal. And that's what we should be working towards rather than issuing statements trying to say, well, this is okay. You know, this is just the way it is. Sure. And I've heard them say that, well, they're using low-tension rings in the pistons to get better gas mileage. But if that's the case, I really haven't noticed what a gas mileage I had either. better. Certainly, I haven't noticed you any know, improvement. I, I had a, a 86, right. and it's 06. is only getting 15. Yeah. At, I mean, that's not much of an improvement over yeah, 20 years. If it's going to burn two quarts all over 1,000 miles. Well, that's <laughs> it. You know, you think about it. A quart every – Just let's just say a quart every 1,000. Right. At 3,000 miles – you're down three quarts. That's right. Half, they, half the oil's gone. The engine only holds five. Well, and see, if it's burning that much oil, it doesn't have to burn as much gas. Right? Maybe that's the idea. <laughs> because oil, I guess. Is, oil is energy, too. You know, it's yeah. like diesel, man. They burn oil. But, I, I just don't see it acceptable. You know, that 86 I had didn't burn hardly a drop oil. Yeah, and, and I've had is. cars over the years that I have overhauled the engines in. I mean, I used to build engines in my old 55 Chevrolets all right. the time, and they never burn any oil at all. Or at least I changed the oil over 3,000 miles. Between changes, it was never down. Right. I never tried to push them out beyond that, but I would check it before I changed it, and I filled it up at 3,000. When I changed it at 3,000, it was still around the full mark. So clearly there is a way that it can oh, be it, done. Oh, it could have been done. Yeah, I mean, I had a 55 Chevrolet with a bored-out stroke 327 that got 16 miles a gallon in town and probably 20 on the road. And even less than that on the strip. Well, on the strip, <laughs> yeah, when I was kinda, that, that, that wasn't putting your foot in them two four-barrels. <laughs> that's for a fact. But the mileage can be had sure. other ways. It just seems to me that's kind of a foolish way to go about it if it's going to make the engine consume all because I think most people would prefer a vehicle that didn't consume all. Well, yeah. And it seems that all that excess oil is having to go somewhere, and where it's going is into the catalytic converter of the vehicle. Sure. Where it's being burned to keep it from going out tailpipe. Well, that adds temperature to the catalytic converter, which is probably one reason we see so much catalytic converter failure these mm-hmm. days because all consumption is definitely going to eventually right. be a ma- it's going to manifest as a catalytic converter problem or, right. or something else well, foul spark plugs or whatever you're not hardly going to see it coming out the exhaust pipe anymore unless it's just obnoxiously bad it has his- to be very 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 it has to be right. bad enough to overload that converter correct because cats yes. are going to run probably a thousand twelve hundred degrees right. which could pretty much vaporize the oil that goes out the exhaust but it can only do so much it can do so much and in time it's going to take a toll on it sure. and, and when it fails it's going to Right, it's nine. That's when you start seeing smoke. Nine hundred to twelve, fifteen, sometimes eighteen hundred dollars. Well, just depending on what kind of vehicle it is. Some of them are obscenely expensive. Some are not too bad. I know Toyota on their little Camrys and stuff. They've got 
three catalytic converters on it, but only two are monitored. Mm-hmm. And the one that's part of the exhaust manifold, which to me seems like it'd be the most expensive, is actually only about three hundred. I think about three hundred fifty dollars. Right. I was I was shocked by that because it's part of the exhaust. It comes with the exhaust manifold and the converter, mm-hmm. and about three hundred fifty dollars. Now the one after it is about a thousand dollars, and it actually bolts in front and back. Yeah, so it's, it's, just it's little, easy to change. So who knows, man, what the reasoning right. is behind that? There is no I telling. Guess they just set prices where they want to set prices. I guess. Yeah. Who knows? Hey, let's go back to their phone line with John. Good morning, John. Hi, it's John from Toronto calling again. Hey, John, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing Very great, good. sir. Good. Yeah, I wanted to thank you. I did. I did take your advice and check around other places. I, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, I called you regarding uh, doing a service on transmission. Yes, sir. And I got a guy to do it for less money, as you suggested. Well, good really deal. That. Yes, yeah. sir. And the de- the deal was is that because he did them at the same time, he had the car on the, up on the hoist, he could drain them and take the time of draining them at the same time. Absolutely, and I think that's only fair, John. And just to kind of recap, you said you'd gone to the dealership, and they were going to do it a single time, and then you asked for them to do it twice like they're supposed to, and they said it would cost twice as much. But, right, and I ended up having them do it twice this, this independent. And mm-hmm. I liked it because actually I know you, you probably can't because you're quite big. This guy's fairly small, you know, he's three base. He mm-hmm. let me stand beside it, which I like, which is like the old days. I know you can't do it in a big shop. <laughs> yeah, well, we got yeah. a pretty big shop, say. and we have people come in all the time right. and, and sit there and watch us. That's one of those things. When we designed our building, we built it in such a way that customers could safely come out into the service areas. It's, the bays are deep enough where they can stand out of the way. The floors are kept clean. The shop is kept clean. And we actually invite people to go out if they care to. Of course, a lot of people don't want to, never will. But those who do, I find that's a good point. And the only drawback, you can't have a person go out and sit there and chit-chat with the tech because that's going to slow him down, which is going to cost him more money. But there's no real reason that a person can't go out into the service area. I mean, I see you know OSHA regulations. Right. Well, that's not true because OSHA only regulates employees. They don't, have, they don't care anything about customers one way or the other. It's not in their wherewithal. And the same thing with insurance regulations. As long as it's a safe environment, the insurance doesn't care either. So there's really no reason you can't go out into the shop. Some shops allow it. Some don't. But that's good. I'm glad that worked out for you. Yeah, no, it's great. And I'm going to send something to thank you. And uh, I was thinking about, I saw your beautiful entrance in your new foyer or newer foyer that you put in. It's amazing what you've done there. Oh, well, thank and, you. Uh, I see. I see your beautiful little dog there. So what I want to <laughs> do is send you, I want to send, I was going to send you some food, but it probably wouldn't pass the U.S.-Canadian border without. <laughs> probably <laughs> so, not. <laughs> so, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a check, but I want you to, Buy something special for that dog. Oh, well, that's mighty yeah. sweet of you. Yeah, Foxy is a real sweetheart. Customers just love her to death. She's been yeah. been around for 12 years now. Yeah. Every Our customer friend. comes in. I think Foxy's pretty well convinced that people come there to see her. She's not so sure about oh, what I goes on in the back. I think right. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's right. I have a, a friend of mine that I was have the Accord. She's a friend of my wife and I, and she wanted to send something because she she heard it. But, you know, she's so pleased that we've got something so that it thing her car's looked after properly. And well, uh, she's, I think she's got three dogs and five cats. Oh wow. goodness! <laughs> She'd probably hang around your your shop and not even. Uh, there you go. It. They really make your life a joy. <laughs> well, I'm up against a break, John. I appreciate you calling. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, man. Bye bye. 
All right, we got to take one more quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. And that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 plus $3,500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about 15000 That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, I never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer. And I can spend money on other things like my beautiful wife. I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Victory crew, when you make a yeah. hit, <laughs> that bottle move. Hey, you go, and of course, this is the Automotive Hour. If you want to be part of it, you just give us a call. It's 291 6901 and 225 in front of that. You that's can, right. In case you want to call from Canada like John did. There you go. <laughs> but if you're in the Baton Rouge area, we'd also love to hear sure. from you. And if you got a question about your car, maybe you're thinking about buying a car, you want to know what kinds of cars have better service history, or mm-hmm. just want to make a comment about your car, or maybe your neighbor's car. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you give us a call. We're glad to try to talk to you about anything you might have. It's 291 6901. And I was laughing at uh, Alphonse to know it all Cajun on the commercial. Yeah. Living in South Louisiana, it's kind of a Cajun culture down here. Right. I was noticing on the way in this morning, they got the Rougarou Festival in Homa. Okay. And course, you can, now you're going to have to explain it now. I don't know everybody knows what a Rougarou is. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to explain it now. You open that can of worms. Yeah, just have to go look it up, man. <laughs> uh, basically, a Rougarou is kind of like... A werewolf, but okay. not exactly. It's a swamp creature, that a mythical swamp creature. Okay. And that's kind of, if you ever had uh, Rodrigue, the blue dog, the spirit of the Rougarou is in the blue dog. Okay. <laughs> so, all those who don't know about that, but there's all kinds of stuff that you have down in South Louisiana that you just don't have anywhere else. Any reason to have a party, huh? That's right, man. Rougarou Festival. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a bunch of World War II warbirds over at the uh, Lakeshore Airport in New really? Orleans uh, this weekend. Something real, real nice. Cool. They were in Baton Rouge earlier this week. In fact, mm-hmm. I... W- went to lunch. I looked up. I saw a B twenty nine fly. I'm like, wow, yeah. where'd that come from? You know, so I had to go back and Google it. And I actually heard it across yeah. the, the shop the other day. Oh yeah, where well, those four piston engines, man. right? It's just a sound that nothing else really makes. Right. We're actually on the flyway between the airport is north of Baton Rouge and where the shops at. Where the shops at, and the anybody flying to New Orleans flies right over the shop, yeah. headed to, headed in that direction. That's right. Back when Katrina was, yeah, I remember was happening. And it was helicopters oh, all day six long. and eight, ten times a day passing over yeah. from the airport out to New Orleans. That's right. So we're in their flyway, so we catch most <laughs> of the good stuff that comes over. That's right. Hey, why don't you give us a call? It's 291-6901. Be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Just before the breaks, we were talking about shock absorbers and McPherson struts. Uh-huh. One thing that we did not cover, and I have seen a lot of people go in They've got a bumping noise in the front end of the car. Right. And the first thing they want to do is go and have the McPherson struts changed. And if you take it to a quality shop, they're not going to allow you to basically walk in and say, I want my struts changed. Uh They're going to say, what kind of problem are you trying to solve? Right. And that's where you have to tell them, I've got a bumping noise in the front end at 20 miles an hour or when I turn or whatever the symptom might be. Correct. And then they're going to go in and diagnose that problem, and you end up with the right fix rather than the wrong fix. If better, 
the technician is actually going to ride with you and you can show him the noise. This is the noise I'm trying to get rid of. That's right. And a, a good technician, the first thing he's going to do is he's going to listen to the noise and try to compare it to other noises he's heard in the past. That's right. And then he'll from know where there, to start looking. From there, he can start underneath the car. First thing you're going to do is rack it up, do a visual inspection on the struts, the sway bar, the sway bar end links. Right. Those are most notorious for making a, a bumping type noise. Right. So if, let's say he looks and everything looks fine, He's going to take and disconnect the sway bar, right? Which takes the end links and the sway bar out of the picture, right? If noise is he's still there, he knows up, that's not it. Go drive it. The noise is still there. He knows that he needs to start looking deeper. That's right. Then we can actually take a microphone system. It, it's actually uh, four microphones with a dial on it, where you can you hook them up underneath the car at various points, and you can switch between them and listen for the noises, right? And which, you can move them around to you right zero in on you noise. pinpoint it. Now the reason we don't do that first. Is because that does take time to do and time is money. So we're going to go to the most common things based on experience. If we hear this type of noise, we've heard that before many times it's this. We're going to eliminate the easier stuff first before we go to more involved diagnosis. Now, if we don't see anything with the easy stuff, then we're going to go to that degree. Correct. Rather than just go in and spend all the time to do that when it was an obvious problem. But what happens a lot of times, folks will hear a noise. They say, well, it must be a shock making noise. They go to the shop and they say, change my front shocks. And so the shop goes in and just change front shocks, picks up the car, still got the same exact noise. Mm-hmm. Now, who do you blame? Because you went in and told them what to do. Correct. They did what you told them to do. Now, I would argue that a good shop is not going to do that. They're going to try to get the complaint out of you. Mm-hmm. I know Elaine has that issue all the time. Folks will call in with a point. But one of the favorites is, hey, I need a tune-up. Okay. Right. Why do you need a tune-up? Well, I just need a tune-up. No, no. Why do you need a tune-up? What is the car doing that you don't want it doing when you pick up, or what is it not doing that you do want it doing when you pick up? Correct. Well, it's idling rough. Okay. Okay. Well, that's what I need to know, now because we've, that is not going to be a tune-up. Right. Now we've got a complaint we can work on. He's basing that on his past experience, which is a whole different type of car, which doesn't apply any longer, because nowadays, a car needing a tune-up is not going to idle rough, because no, it's the computer's not. going to cover that up. It's going to cover it up until the point where you can't cover it until anymore. Until something burns up or breaks, right. and then it's going to fail completely. But if you go in and you've diagnosed the problem, and you give them the wrong thing to change and it's a shop that doesn't have a diagnostic culture they're going to do what you say and you end up with the same exact problem right going back to our shock absorber with the bump noise you go in and say change my shocks they change the shocks you get it back it's still got the same exact noise mm-hmm. well what happens very often on mcpherson struts is it's a big rubber cushion on the top of that strut where it goes to the body of the car correct because the body does not turn but the spring in the strut does so something has to move right there is a like you said a big rubber cushion that absorbs some of the shock but underneath that there's actually a bearing that turns when you turn the steering wheel it turns inside that bearing allowing the spring to move correct because if you wouldn't the spring would just wind up and and unwind and to the point where it got to where it couldn't wind anymore and then it would pop right which it happens as well right we do see that we do see that but if you go in and you diagnose a problem what you may find i would say at least as often as the struts is actually the mounts are bad sure maybe even more often on certain vehicles we see the mount fail before we see the strut fail right mostly on toyotas yeah toyota the struts last generally 150 thousand plus miles but a lot of times around 100,000, you get a bumping noise in the front and that is the mount the now, rubber has can, actually come unbonded. You got to take the strut out to do the mount, and if you go keep the car, it might be wise just to go ahead and replace both, and that's your option. Well, the labor is there. But if you want to fix the noise, 
you're going to have to change the mount. Right. The, la- the labor's there because to get to the strut or to get to the mount, you've got to disassemble the, the component. Right. The whole thing has to come out and come apart. Sure. So it's wise to go ahead and maybe change both if you're going to keep the car. Now, all you want to do is get the noise fixed. Let's say, okay, well, I'm selling the car. And I don't want to sell it with this noise. Uh-huh. We can go ahead and change the mount. Right. Which is going to be less expensive than the strut. Now. And a lot less expensive than the strut and the mount. Exactly. That all being said, when the strut comes out, the strut on most front-wheel drive vehicles is actually part of the alignment and front suspension. A lot of them it is. So when that component comes out, the alignment gets disturbed. Mm -hmm. You actually have to reset the alignment when you put those struts back in, depending Mm -hmm. on the application. Yeah, if it's an integral part of the suspension. A lot of them have a lower arm and no upper arm, and the strut actually holds the wheel up. Well, it becomes the upper control arm. Correct. And what happens is that as that strut starts to sag, over the years which they all do Mm -hmm. because a moving part and someone goes in and corrects the alignment well they're correcting for that sag you put a brand new part in there it's not sagged it's perfectly straight so now the tires get cocked out Mm -hmm. or if it's got a slotted hole on it you can't put it back in precisely the same spot because the two struts may not be manufactured precisely the same exactly so you're going to have to go back like you said and reset the alignment when you take out a structural like That, that that component actually holds the wheel up straight in and out at the top which is camber Right. And if you change camera the least little bit, you're going to change toe a lot. Right. So a little bit of change right there changes the toe on the front of a vehicle Which a is going to end up eating the front tires sure. off the car. Now, if it is a true shock absorber, in other words, it has no structural component to it, then you do not have to align the front Correct. end again because the alignment is captured in the structure of the car. The shock absorber does not, contrary to common belief, a lot of people think the shock holds the car up. It does not. Or changes the height. It does not. A shock does not change the height of the car at all unless it's a callover shock. And Correct. It's a spring and not the shock. But what the shock does is just keeps the car from bouncing. See people keeps have a car controllable. leaning to one side and say, well, shock must be bad. No, no. no. Can't possibly be a shock absorber. Because no. a shock does not support a load. It only dampens, dampens motion. Correct. So just a little lesson on shock destruction, <laughs> avoiding a problem. Hey, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. we got to take one more quick little break. But hey, we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Yeah! Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Call her what you want to know. Alphonse, my car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good-looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. You go ahead and give us a call. It's 291 6901. That's right. You still have a few minutes to get a live answer this week. And That's right. Next two weeks, we're going to actually be recorded out of town shows. and have recorded shows on. Well, so. real interesting show. A lot of good information, but not a live call in type right. show. So if you want a live answer, now is the time because you will not be able to call me at the shop and say, hey, what do you think about something? <laughs> 
<laughs> now, you can do that by email. You can send me an email through the website on the contact form, and I will get an answer back to you, but I just don't have time during the week because all of my time has to go to the people who are paying my salary, which Correct. are the folks who are at the shop having their car repaired. So I just don't have time to answer questions over the phone during the week. So mm-hmm. please don't call me at the shop expecting an answer right. because they're going to tell you that he is not available. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolute answer there. So you always got to just send me an email and I will get an answer back to you usually real quick. Right. And that includes the whole time we're going to be out of town, correct? Well, that's right. Even while I'm out of town, I'll have my laptop with me now. You got to give me a break. I'm on yeah, vacation that's here. It. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's a training mission, but it's also a vacation mission. So you may have to wait a few hours to get an answer. Right. I'm not going to have that laptop carrying around with me. So, uh, <laughs> But I do sit down every afternoon when I get home and generally every morning when I get up. Right. And answer emails, any questions you might ask. You'll get an answer back in a timely manner. Great. I guarantee. Uh, that's great. There you go. And we're going back to our phone lines with Sandra. Good morning, Sandra. Uh, yes, good morning. I have a 2004 Camry. Okay. And it has 118,000 miles on yes, it. Yes, ma'am. I hear a little clicking sound from the front right tire. Sometimes I don't hear it when I'm driving straight, but if I hit a bump or some uneven, uneven uh, pavement, I'll hear that noise. Okay. One of the most common um, things on that, Sandra, is like we were talking about earlier, the upper strut mouse. They had a little bit of trouble, and I say trouble. Generally, it's around 100,000 miles. I guess you got to figure everything's going to wear out at some point. But around 100,000 miles, the Toyota upper strut mounts are pretty much done in many cases. It's a rubber mount on top of the strut, and it'll give you sort of a bump, bump, bump kind of a noise. And you may hear it when the wheel hits a bump or when you step up and down a curb. Most of the time, people don't hear it too much when it's going real slow, but it's when you're going 20 miles an hour or so on a rough road, mm-hmm. you hear a bump, 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 bump. Right. And at higher speeds, it's enough force on it to kind of hold it tight, so you really don't hear it too, too much. Well, there. You've got the sounds of the car at speed right. and everything. It kind of drowns it out. Road noise right. and other things are going mm-hmm. on. And you got the force of the wind going over a car at 60 miles an hour is pushing down pretty hard on the body of the car so that's kind of keeping it tight so you don't hear it as much on a highway as you would around town but that is by far the most common thing it's not the only thing there are some sway bar bushings that can make a similar noise there's some sway bar end links that can make a similar noise pretty easy to isolate in the shop like brian was saying earlier we drive the car hear the noise get an idea where it's coming from Generally, I'll check the mounts and the bushings first because those are easy to check. Eliminate those as a possibility. If it's not those, we can hook microphones up under the car, and then I can tell you exactly what it is. As long as it does it when we got in the shop, it's no problem. We can diagnose that pretty easily. Is it a relatively simple fix? Depends on what it is. If it's a sway bar frame bushing, that's very simple. That's not a Uh big deal at all. If it's a stabilizer end link, a little more expensive, but not too difficult. Now, if it's the strut mounts, it's a lot more involved because you have to take the strut out of the car to replace that. So it does get more expensive depending on what it is. But, I mean, it's not going to be thousands of dollars regardless. It'd be a few hundred dollars. And okay. it's going to get worse in time, and it's going to start causing other issues. You know, if it's a strut mount, it'll probably cause some tire wear issues. It may cause some handling issues, some steering issues. So probably worth getting checked. And the thing is, like, when we check a problem like that, Sandra, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, Sandra, what we found is this. Now, if you want to continue to drive it, you probably got three to six months before you have a problem, or maybe you got a year before a problem. Or I'm going to say, Sandra, it's real important to do this right now because this is fixing the brake. But I'm going to tell you the time frame, and you know, not everything has to be fixed right away. Some things do, but at least you'll know what it is before you have a bigger issue. Right. Okay, great. I have one more question. You bet. Does a, does a 2004 Camry mm-hmm. have a 
timing belt or a timing chain? Depends on the engine. Is it a V6 or is it a four-cylinder? It's a four-cylinder. Yeah, four-cylinder would have a chain. Okay. All righty. So does it need to be? As long as you're using the right oil in the car and you're good about changing your oil, that chain will last the life of your car. Now, a chain is not a silver bullet. It's uh. It's more durable than a belt from the standpoint of it doesn't have to be replaced for maintenance. But a chain is far, far more critical to lubricate. So if some folks like to push their oil changes real long or miss an oil change now and then. Or use an inferior oil Or filter. use the wrong oil or the wrong filter. If right. you do that, you will take the chain out. And that is a much, much bigger job than a belt to change. So you want to be real careful with your oil changes. Make sure whoever's changing your oil knows what they're doing. They're using the right oil. They're using the right oil filter. And you're changing that oil on a timely basis because that's much more critical on a chain engine. Okay, thank you so much. All righty, ma'am. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you're part of the automotive hour, still got a few minutes. Be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's it. That's one of those things that really confuse people a lot is the difference in a timing chain and a timing belt. And a lot of people say, oh, good, I got, I got a chain. Uh-huh. Well, it is good that it does not have to be replaced from a maintenance standpoint. Right, like a belt does. A belt is a maintenance item. It's going to go about seven years or 100,000 miles, and it's going to have to be replaced. Right. But the good side is it's relatively easy to change. It's relatively inexpensive to change compared to a timing chain. Now, a chain is more durable as long as it is properly lubricated. The problem is most chain engines are going to require a synthetic oil, or a lot of them require synthetic oils, mm-hmm. because this is not your daddy's timing chain. This right. is it's not a little six-inch chain or an overhead valve engine. This is about a three-foot-long chain. With several guides. Guides, and tensioners, and overhead and, cams. Right. So lubrication is absolutely critical on that particular design. So you got to be sure you got the right oil and you're changing it frequently, or you will end up having a much, much bigger repair than you had with the belt. Correct. We're going back to our phone lines with David. Good morning, David. Good morning. Yes, morning. sir. I've got a 2000 Mazda pickup with the four-cylinder engine. Okay. I've been a little negligent on my fuel filter. I'm not having any problem, but it appears to be external to the tank on the rail okay. uh, on the fuel tank side. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. How do you change that thing without making a big spill of gasoline? <laughs> Bring it to the shop. <laughs> Have somebody else do it. Let <laughs> somebody else do it. Okay. Okay. The, only, yeah, the only way to really do that, I guess, without making a big mess, is to have a lift. you got to get the car up in the air where you can stand up under it. And if you turn the key off and leave it off for a long period of time, you can have less mess. If you, When you turn it off, it retains fuel pressure for a while because it's got a check valve in the pump. So it's going to have some residual pressure, which is really going to make a mess. Now, let's say you jack it up, let it sit there all night, go back the next day and change it. You're going to make considerably less mess right. if you do that. And you can open the... If it's screwed together or clamped together, you can open the clamp or open the screw and let it sit with a pan under it, let all the pressure bleed off that might still be on it. That will be less messy. And if you can get it up high in the air with a lift, it's it's way easier. But to answer your question, it can be a real pain and Some it really them, runs all down your arms and right. really makes a nasty Some mess. Some of them actually have a quick connect, push type connector on them, and you have to have a special tool to unlock them. Because the way it works, you have some fingers that slip over a barb, and you've got to have a special tool to unlock those fingers to get it apart. Right. Those, some of those are easy, and some of them are just a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Well, and I got to like a visit to the shop. Well, too, and you I'll, know, I'll, most shops are going to yeah. charge you a half hour or less. 
neighbor. Right. So it's, it's not a huge charge to do it. And it's just, I know you're like me, you kind of like doing things yourself. And I like doing a lot of things myself, but I just don't have time anymore. And I just don't have the inclination. I can go do the things that I do and make way more money than they're going to charge me to do it. So right. I find myself hiring a whole lot more things done nowadays than I did at one time. Likewise. And you would recommend the Ford or the Mazda fuel filter? Yeah, Most definitely. Motor, it'll be a Motocraft or Mazda, depending on the design. And, and I think they'll interchange, actually. Yeah. You know, Mazda is Ford, and Ford is Mazda. A in lot some of applications, yeah. yes, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. I sure do appreciate it. All right, and, David. Uh, I had no idea Foxy was 12 years old. I oh, yeah. Yep. Bless a little pumpkin heart. <laughs> Still <laughs> yes, looks please. like a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all. All right, David. All right, thanks, thank man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we would love to have you. I think we still sneak a call in if you can make it real quick. We could. And fuel filters are one of those things that a lot of them are in the tank now and cannot be replaced. Without so, replacing, dropping the tank and changing the whole sending unit. And some of them, they just don't sell it. Like right. the General Motors late model trucks from 04 on up, they will not sell you the filter. you got to buy a fuel pump to get the filter. Correct. So you just soon wait for the pump to go out and then change it all as an assembly. But what that's done is because people don't have to change on a lot of vehicles, it's kind of like oil changes. When you tell them it's okay to go 5,000 miles, they say, well, it must be okay to go 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> so you get into the issues like we are talking about before with the timing chain problems and all that. Sure. We see a lot, lot more timing chain issues now than we used to in the past because of the oil requirements. Folks hadn't caught on to that, and they just go buy a bottle of oil, mm-hmm. not realizing there's certain specifications. An overhead cam timing chain engine has a much tougher specification. Sure. Regular oil that you buy at the parts store may not meet that specification. You need to look in the owner's manual, see what kind of oil is required, and be sure you get the right oil. The right weight oil. Right weight and the right type of oil. Because like your Ford, say your Ford modular engines with the overhead cams, if you just dump regular 5W20 oil, that's made out of a much lower base stock than 5W20 synthetic blend is or, or, or synthetic oil. So mm-hmm. it may not protect that chain, and you may end up with a big, big bill down the road. And I see we are just about out of time. That's it. I'd like to thank everybody for listening this morning. I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this morning. Tell your friends and go visit the yes. great sites we got. To- Stitcher and iTunes and all the others. And give us a written review if you would. We love getting those written reviews. Like reading them. It kind of lets us know we're doing a good job. That's it. it moves we don't us get up. paid to do the show. Kind of a little reward <laughs> system for us. There you go. It moves us up to the top of the list where everybody else can find yeah, us. Yeah, because what iTunes and Stitcher do is they look at the number of ratings the show has. Uh-huh. That's how they move you up so more people can see it. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.